Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Church, please stand and join me for the reading of the word in Spanish. <laughs> Today's teaching text is Matthew 28, 5 through 7. Entonces el ángel dijo a las mujeres, no temáis, ya sé que estás buscando a Jesús, el que fue crucificado. No está aquí, pues ha resucitado, tal como anunció. Venir y ver el lugar donde lo habían puesto. Ahora marchaos a prisa y anunciar a sus discípulos que Jesús ha resucitado de entre los muertos y que va delante de ellos a Galilea. Allí lo veréis. Esto es lo que yo tenía que decirles. Church, please keep standing with me and as I'm reading in Russian, Matthew 28:57. Ангел же обратил речь к женщинам и сказал: "Не бойтесь, ибо знаю, что вы ищете Иисуса распятого. Его нет здесь, он воскрес, как сказал. Пойдите, посмотрите место, где лежал Господь. Пойдите скорее и скажите ученикам Его, что Он воскрес из мертвых и предваряет вас в Галилее. Там Его увидите. Вот я сказал вам. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Amen. You may be seated. It's early Sunday morning. On the first Easter, as two women, both Gospels, actually all four Gospels, call them the two Marys, approach the tomb where Jesus is buried. The scene is heavy with unimaginable grief. If you've lost someone, if you've experienced tragedy, you can relate to this scene. Jesus was crucified two days. Everyone say two days. Two days earlier on Friday. And his disciples are grieving the loss of their leader. Jesus was extraordinary. His public ministry lasted anywhere, according to scholars, from two and a half to three years. He was a wonder worker. Every scholar will tell you, even some of the most skeptical New Testament scholars will say that there was something remarkable about the public ministry of Jesus. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He announced the arrival of the kingdom of God. Jesus welcomed sinners, those who were ritually and socially ostracized. He welcomed tax collectors and even Philadelphia Eagle fans. <laughs> yeah, pray for them. Amen. Jesus often talked about his unique relationship with his father. He scandalized his world by claiming authority over Torah. Jesus even forgave sin. And we all know that only God can forgive sin. And so Jesus allowed his interlocutors or his debate partners or accusers to draw the right conclusions about him, that he was in a unique category only inhabited 
by Yahweh. And then we come in the week of his death, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, on a donkey as a royal prediction or a royal prophetic act declaring he was the Messiah. But it's Sunday and Jesus is still dead. Now, if the grief wasn't bad enough, it was uh, compounded by one obvious fact. Guys, messiahs don't die. There were at least 14 messianic movements in the first century world and all of them failed because their leader was uh, killed and crucified. Messiahs don't die. The king of kings doesn't get crucified. How do you kill the unique son of God? Right? The disciples, they, they saw Jesus as the Messiah, and this messianic figure was going to fix the world, put the world to rights. And yet if you imagine how the disciples were processing, I had to imagine Peter processing uh, not just simply that Jesus was a failed revolutionary, but Jesus was a failed messianic figure. So think about this early Sunday morning, this dark early Sunday morning, how his disciples felt. I'm sure they felt betrayed, right? disappointed, maybe some of them are falling into despair. I'm sure some of them felt like, Jesus, you lied to me. You said you were going to do this, and now you're dead. Have you ever felt betrayed by someone? Have you ever felt forgotten by God or betrayed by God? This is early Sunday morning. However, daybreak, and I love this, daybreak um, comes onto the scene in the entire mood of that first Easter morning shifts away from the grief to utter amazement and joy. The disciples are told that Jesus, I love this, Jesus is risen. That was, that was okay. So he was dead and now he's alive? That's some crazy physics stuff. All right, so what's going on? We'll we'll get to that here quickly. So the disciples are told that Jesus is risen, and then they see him, and they can hug him, and they can touch the scars on his hands, and they take long walks with Jesus on the beach, and they have long conversations with Jesus in homes, and they're talking with him. And one of my favorite scriptures passages in the Bible is found in John 21. Jesus even offers his disciples breakfast. And if you love breakfast, can I get an amen? Amen. Couple eggs over easy. They have to be over easy. Some toast, some coffee, and Cracker Barrel pancakes. Can I get an amen to that? And billions, think about this, Jesus is alive, but he was dead. And now billions of people right now around the world are worshiping him. Hey, but, but even more, even more have been, over the, over the last 2,000 years, have been transformed by Jesus in his life. In fact, hospitals were invented because Jesus was risen. The North Atlantic slave trade in England was abolished by William, William Wilberforce, an English evangelical who believed that Jesus was risen from the dead. 
time was Christianized. Why? Jesus came back from the dead. I'm trying to get you like really excited about this this morning. I, I recently um, listened to a podcast by some prominent atheists, and they have confessed that if they could build a time machine, they would go back, and there would be one figure that they would want to try to figure out. It would be Jesus. And in fact, their confession is this. I just need to know if he came back from the dead. Jesus, 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 Jesus is Risen. In fact, uh, many theologians will tell you that throughout the world right now, and this has been happening for a long time, Jesus continues to appear to people in other religions in their dreams. What the is going on? Right? I've yet to hear of a great religious figure from a different religion appear to Christians. And I say that with all respect to all the wonderful great religions out there, they just don't have anything on King Jesus. Jesus is risen from the dead. So what does that mean, guys? I mean, it's one thing to be confused if you're a Raider fan. We know you're just a confused person. It's an entirely different thing to be confused over the single greatest event in time and space. That Jesus came back from the dead is greater than the invention of AI, cyborgs. Are there cyborgs? I don't know. Should we be afraid? Maybe, right? Jesus coming back from the dead is greater than any social media platform, greater than TikTok, greater than anything that the 21st modern century has invented. So much like, much like an archaeological dig with various layers of discovery and artifacts, Jesus is risen as a statement of fact is many layered in its meaning. So there today, there are four things I want us to talk about related to the risen Jesus. Number one, because Jesus has come back from the dead, and I got like 22 minutes to talk really quick, okay? But there are four things related to Jesus that you need to know today. Number one, you can be free. Number two, you are loved. Well, Chris, you don't know me. Ah, but I know God's love. You are loved. Number three, there is a future for you. Your best days are not behind you. And number four, some of you need to hear this this morning because you feel like it's a dark Sunday morning and you feel overwhelmed with life. You are not alone. You're not alone. Okay, so I got to do the pastor thing. I got to clear up all the confusion in our minds related to resurrection. First, Jesus is risen from the dead does not mean that the soul of Jesus floated up into heaven. There's a lot of weird ideas out there, a lot of muddled thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is not another way of saying that he went up into a disembodied location we call heaven and that, there, you know, it's filled with this location, filled with a lot of disembodied little baby angels where everything is shining like Rihanna's diamonds. It means Jesus was thoroughly dead, please hear me, and then Jesus thoroughly came back to bodily life again. So this is not resuscitation, this is not disembodiment, this is re-embodiment. 
So the old properties of Jesus' body, his DNA, the molecules, whatever, right, that makes Jesus' body Jesus are transformed into new properties by the power of God. Which is to say that death, and I want a good amen on this, as a biological and spiritual reality, has been defeated and overthrown. That Jesus went through death on our behalf and came out the other side, people. He went through the cross, experienced agonizing pain for the sins of the world, and then he came out on the other side into new, not disembodied life, but new bodily life so that you and I can have new bodily life now. So the world is a different place from what it would be if this did not happen. Let's not, let's, today, let's not mock God with metaphor when we talk about the resurrection. It was a solid, physical, real event that God defeated death which defaced his beautiful creation. So number one, here's the good news. You can be free today. You can be free. Free from what, Chris? Some of you are like, what? what are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about? You can be free from sin. The resurrection of Jesus is God's no. Everyone say no. no. That was pretty bad. All right. Everyone over here, West Coast, everyone say no. no. All right. East Coast, am I, did I get it right? East Coast, say no. no. Okay. The resurrection of Jesus is God's no to unbridled selfishness, arrogance, violence, hatred, exploitative injustice, lust, bitterness, everything which has defaced and damaged the image of God in our bodies. The Bible calls all of that which I just mentioned sin. And here's the thing about sin. What, what the Bible calls sin is, is not just simply doing something wrong. Like, some of you are like, I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't think I've really sinned because I haven't killed anybody lately. Well, <laughs> right, sin is, is, is way more com- complex than that. Sin is not just, oh, you're doing something wrong, you go into the candy store, and you steal some candy. Of course, it involves that. But sin is a complex ecosystem of beliefs and attitudes rooted in alienation from God. So sin, by definition, is a fundamental rupture in our relationship with union with God. And because of sin, we cannot see God, we cannot know God, we cannot hear God, we can't even feel God, we can't even walk with God because we are ignorant of God. In fact, the Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses. What does that mean? We have no relationship with God. Here's the thing, everyone in this room, If you took your longings and your desires and you traced it to the very deepest core of who you are, you would realize that you were made for God. And yet sin destroys that relationship. We also see the effect of sin in the first book of Genesis. It begins in the heights of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are walking with God, right? Some of you know the story. Uh, There's a cornucopia of abundance. There's fruit trees, and there's no cats. This is heaven. (laughs) And then it ends in a funeral. 
in, in a matter of 50 chapters, it goes from the heights of the Garden of, Eve, of, of Eden all the way to Joseph being buried in Egypt. You see, sin is a tragic movement away from God, who is the source of life. And if you move away from God and relationship with God, you only court death. It doesn't matter if you haven't killed anybody today or you've committed some great scandal. Sin has wrecked us all. There are three aspects of sin that I talk about often. There's sin done through us, there's sin done to us, and there's sin done in our presence which defiles us. I think we all can agree that we all have participated in that. But here's the thing. The resurrection of Jesus is a declaration that sin, which has vandalized human life, has been dealt with in the resurrection of Jesus. And if you make a decision to follow Jesus or if you are in Christ, as the Bible says it, you are free from the power of sin. Resurrection life means that God lifts you out of sin and death into newness of life. Because Jesus came back from the dead, that means I can announce the possibility of new beginnings. That you might be going in this this direction, right? Making bad decisions. You're away from God. But in a moment, just like our Easter morning, God can change and turn things around in your life. You see, we believe in new beginnings. We believe in renewal of life. We believe in surprises. We believe that God can take the darkness in your life and the sin and just the nagging selfishness and the petty narcissism that defines our life and he can turn it around and he can make you new and he can heal you and he can give you joy. Some of you think that joy is impossible. I have good news today. You can have joy. Some of you struggle with peace. I have good news for you. God can turn your mental health around and give you a peace that no one else can give you. New beginnings, fresh start, renewal of life. That is the promise that we have. And yet, only Jesus can give us the power to get free from sin. I have seven children. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Don't have seven children, okay? It's a blessing. But if that's your goal, come and talk to me afterwards. I will counsel you out of that, okay? (laughs) And I have some medicine for you as well. Anyway, what what am I talking about? Chris, you're weird. So weird, Chris. Um, But I have seven children, so things can get a little bit chaotic at our home. So a couple weeks ago, my, I I don't know if it was my wife, decided Silly Putty would be great with our kids. You know, it was awesome. I don't know if you know anything about Silly Putty or whatever this substance was. It was from the devil. When it gets on upholstery, it sticks. You can't get it out, and it sticks to your nice clothes. So my kids decided to play with this silly putty in the car, unbeknownst to me. I get in the car, and I sit on it with with a nice jacket, and I could not get it out of my jacket. So for two weeks, I I tried every chemical. Maybe some of it was illegal. I don't know. And I tried everything to wash the stain out of my jacket, and it didn't come out. And I blame my wife for that, okay? <laughs> See, this is, this is a uh, 
tragic picture, maybe a silly picture, of our attempts to rid sin on our own. Only Jesus, even as Shane mentioned it, only Jesus can cleanse you guys. Only Jesus can give you the power to overcome that selfishness that has damaged your relationships. Some of you, you, you know, you know, you know your relationship with your spouse is the way it is because of the dysfunction in your own heart, because of sin and the selfishness in your own heart, but you just can't get free from it. I have good news today. Jesus, by his power and through his spirit, because of the resurrection, can set you free. Number two, you are loved. Did you know that? You are loved. Jesus died in his body, came to us, in the words of one pastor, came to us in a body. His body was laid in a tomb for our sin. Sin is a consequence, is felt in our bodies, and sin dishonors or disorders the longings of our body. Jesus dealt with this bodily problem by taking sin and death in his body. Jesus came to us in a body. He took on a body. He lived in a body. He died in a body. And then he rose again, guess what? In a body. And he reigns right now in a body and will return in a body and will restore the world with his body. And he did that for you. He didn't do it. He he didn't do it to show off his power. He became a body Because what Paul says, I am now crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. I now live by his faithfulness who loved me and gave himself for me. This is love, John says. Not that we first loved God, but that God first loved us. Jesus, in his body, went to the cross, went through death, came back to life, the eternal Son, the eternal word became human because he loves you. Your body, therefore, matters. Therefore, this world also matters. In the words of one scholar, matter matters. Your relationships matter. Your desires matter, right? Politics matters. Schools matter. This world, this planet Earth matters to God because he created it, and he created it good. That's horrible grammar, but just go with me, right? God looked over his creation and said, this is very good after he made all things. And God created all things and then sent his son on our behalf in his body because he loves us. And this is what I love about all the resurrection stories. When you look at all the resurrection stories, there's a remarkable absence of rebuke. What do you find? You find a lot of love and welcome and greetings and encouragement by Jesus to his disciples. He sees uh, Mary for the first time and doesn't call her Mary, calls her Miriam. This is what her father would have called her. This is a tender moment where Jesus is bringing shalom to Mary and her anxious heart. Jesus looks to, to, to Peter his number one disciple who betrayed him in a post-resurrection story. And what does he do? Does he rebuke Peter? Does he excoriate him? No. He restores Peter, gives him his job back, and says, Peter, I love you. This is what Jesus does 
for us. He meets his disciples in their grief and he announces peace. Jesus does the same thing to us today. Resurrection is God's yes to his love over you and I. God knows you. He loves you. He sees you. It's his desire to bless you. He has forgiven you if you are in Christ. God wants to change you from the inside out. Resurrection is God saying over you, you are my kid. And you have extreme value. But here's the thing, when you live in a world shot through with sin, you will inevitably experience trauma. Everyone in this room has experienced trauma. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. Trauma is, is just simply this. It's wounds that never heal. It's, it's, it, it could be you had a bad diagnosis when you were 13, or maybe you lost a loved one, or maybe uh, an authority figure said something over you and it was traumatic and it has shaped and defined you up until this point. As one author says, the body keeps the score of all of our traumatic memories. And when we have trauma, if we're not careful, we turn those, neg- we turn those traumatic moments into negative scripts. So we build negative scripts like I am unlovable because you grew up in a home where you had um, emotionally unavailable parents. Or maybe you had a, a, a parents or authority figures or people that you loved and trusted and respected um, have played favorites and that you never knew on a given day where you stood with these particular authority figures. And so the rest of your days, you've lived out this script, I have to prove myself and I have to prove my worth. Or maybe some of you here today, you're just riddled with shame. Like you have a personal history and you've done stuff in the past and you just can't tell anybody. And you just, I, you just tell yourself, I don't think I'm ever going to be free from the psychic and emotional energy that I put in into trying to not think about what I used to do. The good news is that in the resurrection, you are loved and you can be healed. It is the love of God that deconstructs the unlovable scripts that we build It's the love of God that teaches us that we don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to perform. It's the love of God that breaks the power of anxiety in our minds and in our bodies and in our psyche and our whole person. The love of God is a startling revelation found in the resurrection of Jesus. Number three, there is a future for you today. There's a future. You see, the Bible doesn't re-describe death. When we talk about Jesus has come back from the dead, it's not a redescription of death. It doesn't mean that when you die, you're going to go to a disembodied place. It doesn't mean that when you die, you're going to become part of this universal consciousness. Or that when you die, you're going to become a rainfall, or you're going to become a waterfall, or you're going to become stardust, or you're going to shine like a glow stick for the rest of eternity. I'm trying to connect with all of you, okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, just get on with the point. No, you be quiet. I'm preaching, not you, Okay. There is a future, and the future is not a redescription of death. It's the defeat of death. The future is not a dystopian nightmare. It's not a zombie virus. It's not a climate catastrophe. It's not the annihilation of space and time. It's the renewal of God's creation. 
The Bible calls this new heavens and new earth, where God will wipe away every tear, remove all evil and sickness, and everything that has distorted and defaced God's good world. And then we get to live in this new, physical, solid world with our resurrected bodies. Your future is resurrection. Your future is God's word. Your future is healing. Your future is life. Your future is hope. And this future is the anchor of our present hope. If you were to ask me, I struggled as a young man, I've shared this story a couple of weeks ago, with anxiety. I just, I just, man, anxiety was something that I really, really dealt with early on um, as a young man. And if you don't know this, but anxiety is a problem with the future. You're always thinking about the future, always ahead of time. You don't think of the future as if Jesus is there. You think of the future and you just catastrophize it. You think of the worst possible outcomes. That was a struggle of mine early on. I begin to realize over time I've gotten a little bit more mature and the Holy Spirit has done a deep work in my life. I realize the answer to anxiety is resurrection. It's knowing that, guys, we are heading somewhere, and it's not a climate catastrophe. I'm not trying to make a political point here, but it's not headed to the annihilation of time and space. That's a theological point. What I'm saying is God, no matter what happens, will make all things new. So, so check this out. We have hope right now, no matter what we're going through. Why is that? Well, um, I love, I've shared the story before, but in 2018, um, my mom and I were, my mom particularly is a diehard Warriors fan. So I think it was game seven. I can't even remember who they were playing. Steph Curry, do you remember who they were playing, mom? No, okay. So it's 2018, so we decided we're gonna watch this game. So my mom was a little bit late. I started watching the game. I was into like the third quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter. Things were a little bit hectic as I was watching it live. And then about the third quarter, things changed and the Warriors pulled away. Steph was amazing. He was breaking ankles. It was fun to watch. And I think they pulled, pulled out of the, they pulled away from their team who they were playing and they ended up winning by like 20, 25 points. So I was in effect in the future. My mom comes home. She had, because we have DVR, she watches the game about two hours behind. So she's in the other room. I'm in one room. She's in the other room, and she's watching the Warriors, and she's shouting. She's pacing. She's anxious. She's yelling at the dog. I'm kidding. She didn't do that, right? <laughs> How many of you love my sweet mom? She's amazing. And I could, just, I could just feel the intensity in the room where my mom was watching this, this game. And I remember I would just kind of walk out, and I had, guys, I had so much peace. <laughs> Why did I have so much peace? Well, I was coming from the future. I already knew the Warriors did it, but I couldn't tell my mom. But I just walked around with peace because I saw the end. I saw the future. The same thing is true of us. When we get a, a glimpse of the end and that God's 
word over us will always be the last word. It won't be sickness. It won't be your circumstances. It won't be what your boss did to you. It won't be what this happened to you. It will be God's word over you. And when you get a glimpse of that future, that is when you can walk in peace and hope right in the middle of the darkest day. So you and I have a future. And finally, number four, you and I are not alone. You are not alone. I feel like I have to keep on saying this because we're coming out of a pandemic and I've been talking to enough of you and I read enough to know that so many people in our world feel alone. They feel like they've been separated from God. They've been separated from loved ones. They've been separated from the, the good purposes of God. Resurrection tells us this. When we say Jesus is risen from the dead, it means precisely that he is. Jesus is the king over the entire expanse of the universe. Jesus, not tyrants, not your circumstances, not cancer, not some spiritual power, not economic engines of progress, not something that is up against you, not a mountain, not an insurmountable problem. Rather, it's Jesus who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah that he holds you in his hand and that he breathes new life into you. You are not separated from the love of God. Jesus is king, not some economic reality that is attempting to destroy your life. You, in other words, as a follower of Jesus, are not a helpless pawn in the face of meaningless complexities that are uh, shaping historical stuff today. You are a son. You are a daughter. The king holds you in his hands. And no matter what you go through, you will never be separated from the love of God. Never. Never. So you are not alone. God's presence is with you. God loves you with an everlasting love. Jesus is in charge, guys. We couldn't say, I, I, I couldn't get up here and say that you're not alone if Jesus did not bodily come back from the dead. If Jesus is not the king of kings, if he did not bodily come back from the dead, we have no hope here today. But our hope is in King Jesus. You're not alone today. Amen. You have a future. You can be free. You could be really, really, really free. Come on, somebody. And you are loved. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Just give me just a couple minutes and I want to pray with two groups. The first group, it feels like early Sunday morning to you. And maybe this, this year has just been filled with unimaginable grief. Maybe you're dealing with maybe traumatic experiences that have, that have shaped you. Maybe some of you are dealing with sin and shame. Maybe you, you come here today and you feel alone. Maybe you feel powerless. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're that person that has that negative script that you're just un, unlovable. 
and you want to know the love of God. Maybe you want to be set free from sin. You want a new beginning this morning. You want a fresh start. You want a Genesis week today. You want Jesus. You want God. You want relationship with him. And if you're here today and you say, Chris, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus in the past and you're just not following him at this moment, and today you want this redheaded guy up here on stage to pray with you, to open up your life as you make a commitment or recommitment to follow Jesus. You want Jesus to come in and fill you with his love. You want that power over sin. You want that freedom. You want to know that you're not alone. You want to experience that resurrection life today. If that's you, I want to pray for you. And every, every eye closed. This is just one of those holy moments. You guys are amazing. If you're like Chris, man, I want Jesus. I want Jesus to be the king of my life, my whole person. I want to follow him. Maybe you don't have all the answers. Maybe you're still trying to figure out what does is, what is all of this Christian stuff means. That's okay. But if you want to make a commitment to open up your life to Jesus, I would like to pray for you right now. And if that's you on the count of three, I would like you to raise your hand and then I'm just going to pray with you. One, two, three. Is there anyone like that? You would say yes. Thank you. Hands all over. Keep your hands up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21, I don't want to overcount, 22 maybe. I know we have counters here, 23 in the, maybe in the back. 23, at least 23 people as I'm counting that are making a decision to follow Jesus today. Can we thank them? All right, you can keep your eyes closed, but just, this is what I want you to do. This is not like weird. This isn't like magic. I'm just going to have you repeat this just simple prayer. You're just opening your life up to the real God who came back from the dead, who loves you with an everlasting love. It's going to deal with our sin. It's going to do a fresh work in you. So you just have to repeat this prayer after me. And then church would also like you to repeat this after me. Jesus, I give you my life. I put my trust in you. Thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for fresh starts in my life. Jesus, be the king of my life. I'm going to follow you, and I thank you for your grace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, amen. Can you give God a hand? Okay. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you raised your hand, do this one more time. Could you just lift up your hand one more time? If you said, yes, I, I made that prayer. Thank you all over. Keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised. We're going to have ushers. Keep them up. We're going to have ushers come to you.
just keep them up. You guys are amazing. Ushers are going to come and give you a Bible. We just want to connect with you. Next week, we're going to have baptisms. We have information about baptisms. Uh, also, we want to, there's a lot of different cool things. Again, we just want to connect. Uh, if you have questions about what's this Christian stuff about, we have all of that for you. So anyone, you raised your hand uh, to give your life to Jesus and you haven't received um, a handout, could you just keep your hand raised? Anyone like that? Okay, right in the back, keep your hand raised over there. God bless you. God is going to do wonderful things in the lives of these people. Keep your hands raised. I know we got ushers. We got some in the back still raised. Right in the, hey, Ricky, right in the back left. Way back. And then right over here. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. So again, we love you, and I promise you God is going to do a brand new work in your life. Amen. I think we have everybody. We're almost, yeah, we, do we get some stuff right over there? Okay, we good? Keep your hands raised. We don't have any more. Okay. Um, come in and we have more. We have more. We'll, we'll get there. Like, what am I doing, Chris? I don't know. I'm going to run off the stage. All right, no. I'm kidding. I'm in charge of this crowd. Um, one last thing. One last thing. I want to pray. Could you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to pray for those of you who say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I feel like it's early Sunday morning and I feel dark. And I feel like I just, I'm not in touch with that resurrection life, and I just want to get in touch with that resurrection life. Maybe you're just, honestly, grief and heartache and depression and anxiety is more powerful than the resurrection of Jesus. I believe that God in this moment can do a, a profound work in you. That as, as was actually prayed earlier this morning, that God would come to our minds and our hearts and just remove the cobwebs. Right, that God would give us a fresh picture of his love, his real, genuine love. And if you say, yes, that's me, I feel like, yes, I'm following Jesus, but it's just dark, and it's just, it feels like that early Sunday morning, and it just things feel helpless or hopeless. Chris, could you pray for me right now? If that's you, I'd just like you to raise your hand, I want to pray for you. Anyone like that? Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. Leave your hands that are raised. Awesome. All right, if you raise your hand, put it down and put it on your heart. Father, I thank you that the power of God will come to every son and daughter. I thank you this week, just in, in a moment as daybreak hit, I thank you that the announcement that Jesus has risen came to the disciples and everything was different. I thank you for those who raised their hands and they're going through something really heavy. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression, maybe it's grief, maybe it's sorrow, maybe it's whatever, I don't know what it is. But Father, I, I ask that you would come and you would do a turnaround moment in their lives. That you would fill them with your resurrection power. And if it's not this week, I thank you the following week. If it's not the following week, Father, I thank you it's on your timetable, Father. But I thank you that you would do a fresh work in your son's and daughters, that you would change their heart, you would fill them with, their, with your love, and I pray that everyone that raised their hand would know that they are not alone in Jesus' name. Come, I think you come to encourage. Everyone say encourage. You come to comfort. Everyone say comfort. 
Father, I think you don't come to annihilate us. You don't come to bring judgment. You don't come to bring condemnation. You come to bring forgiveness and love and healing and blessing. So I declare that over ever, every son and daughter who raised their hand in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.